Good morning to you again, right? You can't do too many good mornings on your first official Sunday, right? Well, there's a lot of talk in our day about visions, casting a vision, having a vision, setting a goal into the future and reaching that goal. All the way from the presidential candidates for the United States, all the way down to churches like ours, people are talking about having a vision, setting out goals that you can go grab and get. And so it only seemed fitting that as we launch into a new season, me as your pastor, that I would cast some vision for us, do some casting of some vision. So we're going to cast some vision. We're going to start this Sunday a multi-week ser- uh, series that I'm calling Our Vision. Our Vision. Now, visions can be trendy. They can be attractive. They can be fast and easy. They can promise a lot. They can be about goals and results. And they can be part of a big marketing campaign. But the vision I have for our church is none of those things. Our vision is solid. It's reliable. It's a vision I believe you've already been developing that I want us to continue forward with. So I want to cast some vision. It's a vision I'm drawing right from the Bible. It's a vision that can last for decades to come. And you know my goal. I'm paying off my house. So this is going to be a vision that can last at least 30 years. And if Terry Wheeler has anything to do about it, we're going to refinance 20 years in, and we're going to be here for another 30. Okay. But I'm about, I'm about solid visions, reliable visions, biblical visions. You see, I have a vision that our church can be a Psalm 1 church. That doesn't mean we're going to be the biggest church on the block. Doesn't mean we'll be the wealthiest church. Doesn't mean we'll have the most people in this building. Doesn't mean we'll be the most benevolent church. I have a vision that we will be a Psalm 1 church. That you will be a Psalm 1 man. And you will be a Psalm 1 woman. And if you are a Psalm 1 man and woman, and we are a Psalm 1 church, God will take care of all those other things. We don't need to worry about them that much. If you get first things first, the other things have a way of following. I have a vision that we can be a Psalm 1 church. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to unpack what it means to be a Psalm 1 people. And how do we become a Psalm 1 people? And so, by the end of all this, you should know Psalm 1 really, really well. And if not, i got to up my game because you were sleeping. And if you're sleeping right now, I will call you out. We're small enough, we can do that. That's not to discourage you. Just a, just a solid challenge. So let's take a look. Let's jump in for the morning. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. You can open your Bibles to Psalm 1. Maybe you have a smartphone that has a Bible on it. Maybe you have a physical Bible or just come along here on the screen with us. Psalm chapter 1 
verses 1 through 6. This is the psalm that launches into what we know as the book of Psalms. It's that Jewish book of songs that even Jesus sang from. It launches with this psalm, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who's, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like shaft that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I think that psalm has enough there to give us many years of vision as a church. And for you, as a man or a woman, a young man, a young woman, growing up in the way of Jesus. Now, for this morning, a message I'm calling Inside Out and Bottom Up, we're going to take a look at the center of the passage. It's where our attention is drawn. It's where the psalmist wants to bring us to. Verse 3. Verse 3. Verse 3 says this. Let's just repeat here. That the person, this person, this blessed person, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers. Now, as a 21st century man, there are a couple things that pop for me in that verse. Maybe you notice them as well. There's this yielding of fruit in season. I like fruit. That is, I like things, good things being produced in my life, and I really like the idea of prospering. Really like the idea of prosperity. And these are two things we see in verse 3. That's the kind of life I want. I want to have the kind of life where I have a lot of good things happening in my life. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad if I had a lot of prosperity either. Those are the kind of things I want in my life. I want that kind of life. I want a life full of good fruit, and I want a life full of prosperity. And if I was a betting man, which I won't tell you if I am or not... I bet you do too. I bet you want that kind of life too. I want that to be the kind of church I go to. I want to be part of a church where there's good fruit. I want to be part of a church where there's lots of prosperity. I want to see lots of growth at the church I go to. Those are the kind of things I want. And our vision as a church will include good fruit, and prosperity. But that's not our main goal. Our main goal is to be the kind of people that you, that you would be the kind of woman, or you'd be the kind of man, or you'd be the kind of young man or young woman. You'd be that kind of person who would naturally produce good fruit and have prosperity. See, an apple tree doesn't try to produce apples. It just produces them. Because an apple tree naturally produces apples. I want us to become the kind of people that naturally 
produce good fruit and prosper. Not something we try for, but something that naturally comes from who we are. You see, in our world, particularly in the church world, there's a lot of talk about results. There's a lot of talk about big numbers, big giving, big attendance, getting on this list or that list. And I got no problem with all those big things. But when you try really, really hard to produce fruit and forget about your roots, your plant has a way of withering. You see, I want us to be the kind of church that would produce good fruit and prosper. So that means that you and I are focused on the inside. We're focused on the kind of people we are. We're focused on character. Let me say it this way. So we're going to put up this short quote here. This is the way I'd like to say this. Yielding fruit and prospering are things we see on the outside. They're not bad at all. But Psalm 1 is focused on the inside. We are going to be the kind of church that have strong roots. Now, it just so happens you've already got a good start on this, like a 90-year start on this. I am building with you on a foundation, digging roots deeper that are already there. But if we see growth then it will be because of who we are, not because we sold our soul to get the results. We are focused on being a Psalm 1 church. You've already been there. I'm calling us to continue that journey. Now, Psalm 1 is a very important psalm moving forward in the Bible. Now, it just so happens that I think the Bible's inspired. It comes from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it comes from God. So, it wouldn't surprise you, maybe, that when God speaks at different points in the Bible, he draws out some of the same themes that we just saw in Psalm 1. I can't make this up. It just happens to be in the Bible. When God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah, he has a message through Jeremiah that sounds a lot like Psalm 1. Although many years afterward, God continues to promote this same theme. The theme of the inside. Who you are. Your character matters. Take a look. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Here's what God says through Jeremiah. He said, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is him. They, they will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to produce fruit. Leave that scripture up. Take a look. Who doesn't want the kind of life that can be described as having deep roots, no fear, no worries, and a life that never fails? That's the kind of life I want. That's the kind of life I want in this church. I want us to be that kind of church. But you get that by considering who you are, what your character is, who you're becoming. Because if you just try to do a bunch of good things, your good things will shrivel by the time you get to the end of your life. They can't. They don't last long enough 
for you to get to the end. These is, this is a theme we see, blessed, that's the word for happy in Hebrew. We're talking about the good life here. We're talking about a happy life. And for all the talk of a happy life in America, there's one way to get there. It's this way. Now, it shouldn't then surprise you that when the Word of God became flesh, we call him Jesus, he talks about some of these same things. He gives an emphasis on the inside of a person. Because Jesus himself knew you can do a lot on the outside. But if you don't get your inside right, you won't last. Take a look. I think Jesus is the smartest person who's ever lived. Take a look at what he says here. Mark chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 14 through 15, verses 20 through 23. Right before we get to verse 14, Jesus' disciples have dirtied their hands, and the religious leaders of the day have told them how dirty they are. And they're very concerned that they've done something wrong. Here's what Jesus says. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him, and he said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them, rather it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. We pick up verse 20. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from where? It's from within. It is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside. And defile a person. So if you don't want to be an arrogant person, you have to work on your insides. And in our world, we've been very well trained to focus on the outside. To just come up with a bigger goal, a better life plan, without ever considering character. Who you are. Because from who you are comes everything else. Jesus also takes this same theme a few chapters before in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and he played out this same teaching using a different illustration. It was the illustration of a building foundation. Watch what he says here. Look at this. Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house. Some of you are walking through that kind of storm right now, yet it did not fall. Why didn't it fall? Because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. There are a lot of people in our world, as well as a lot of churches, that are building some amazing structures on sand. You might be building a life on sand. A good test of the, your foundation is to watch how you live in the midst of a storm. But when you build on rock... You're not going anywhere. Just recently, we noticed a leak in our basement. Now, to some of you men who have already helped me with our house, you're on notice. 
publicly. But that leak, small in size, required me to get up and take a look at what might, where it might be coming from. So I'd take some tiles off. And you know what I found when I looked up above those tiles? I found wood that you can't buy today. See, this house was built about 70, 80 years ago, this section of our house. And that wood is solid. I bet you could soak that wood in water for a month and it wouldn't hurt the wood. Our goal is not to test that theory. (laughs) That was for emphasis. But I'm talking solid wood. Houses aren't built with that today, from what I hear. I'm not a carpenter nor a builder, but from what I hear, that's solid construction. This is the kind of thing Jesus is talking about. In our world, we have lots of promises to the good life. And we all want that, and commercials sell us us that life every day in between our favorite show. But the only way you get the good life is going through Jesus and building on his foundation. That's why I call this message, why we're launching with a fundamental principle about our vision, and that is it's from the inside out. I could care less how many people come in this building if we don't have a good inside. And and that's why I'm also calling it from the bottom up. I don't care how many people fill this room If our foundation is not solid, the day will come where it will fall in the midst of a storm. That's why I've called this message our vision inside out, bottom up. So let me just summarize all of that in this one statement here. This is our vision. Our goal is to be persons who are developing the character of Christ in our everyday lives. You know God will only find you where you are. You know God is with you right here, not in your kitchen right now. Did you know that? Because you know where you are right here. Do you know when you wake up in the morning, God is with you. He's not in your family room. You know God can only be where you are. That's where he's with you. And so when we develop the character of Christ, we do it in our everyday lives. When you cook lunch, Christ is with you. You take your character with you into that act. Because you can't be anywhere else. I don't care about where you live virtually. I'm talking about where you are in your body. And so our vision, our goal, is to take on the character of Christ in your everyday life. If it's at that middle school, if it's in the high school, in that classroom, or you're in your garden, you are developing the character of Christ right where you find yourself. Now let's bring, let's take this, all of this, and, and move, move to some application. Let me just ask some questions. Maybe some questions we could ask if we take all of this down into life where we find ourselves. Here's a question. Are you becoming more angry, judgmental, and short-tempered? I mean, really think about that one. We just moved this week. We just moved this past week hypothetically, (laughs) when you move with four children and you're tired, you may begin to take on some of the traits of a short-tempered person. I know it's hard to believe. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about someone else. 
but again, just hypothetical. Just uh, definitely not Tess. I would never speak ill of Tess. You see what I brought here? Do y'all see what I brought in this fourth row? Are you becoming more forgiving, compassionate, and patient? Listen, this isn't a complicated question. You know how to answer this question. What is difficult is if you want to admit it to anyone else. But if you feel any tinge of conviction, then let it sit there for a little bit. Let's, look, let's just go with a few more questions here. Rather than ask, what do I want to do, which we are so prone to ask, right? That's typically the way I'm moving. We need to ask, who do I want to be? I mean, who do you want to be? Let me bring that down into everyday life. Here's a set of questions we might ask. Do you want to be the kind of person who blesses the person who cuts you off in traffic? I know the kind of person you might be when that happens. But do you want to be the kind of person that could actually bless them? Do you want to be the kind of person who sleeps easily without anxiety? Listen, there are a lot of drugs out there that help you sleep. But what would happen if you were the kind of person who didn't carry anxiety in your body? I haven't figured this one out completely. But I know Jesus promises things like this. And do you want to be the kind of person who isn't controlled by addictions? I don't know, you might have an addiction of some sort. They come in a variety of forms in our day. Do you like being controlled by them? You could be the kind of person who freely says no to your addictions. Naturally. You don't even think about it anymore. You could become that kind of person. And if you want that, that's the start of this journey, becoming that kind of person. So let's go to this last slide here. I want, I want to talk about, as we finished, who are we as a church? Are we welcoming, generous, forgiving, loving? Or are we judgmental, cliquish, or exclusive? We really got to think about that. Now, I will tell you, if you were the latter, I wouldn't be here. I think we're more the former than the latter. But Christ still has work to do in us. I tend to think... There's a lot of fruit and prosperity coming for us. But it, only, but it will only come as we take on the character of Christ. I don't want a room full of people without, with a sand foundation. And so we really got to think and pray about this. Who are we as a church? So let's take all this and make a next step. Something that you and I can do right now. I'm actually going to read it, then I'll pray it here in just a moment. Here's a prayer you can pray. Father, help me see my hidden faults. By the way, I don't think I have any of those. <laughs> Ask Tess. But I need that prayer. It's those of us who don't think we need that prayer that need it most. And then help me become like your son Jesus in my everyday life. Don't make this complicated. Don't turn this into another religious duty. Take that prayer into your gardening. Take that prayer into your classroom. Take that prayer into your retirement. Take that prayer onto your porch. Don't make that complicated. Everyday life means right where you find yourself. So let's take that prayer. I want to pray it as we close. And then we'll move right into a time of invitation. Let's pray. Father, would you help us? Would you help us see our hidden faults?
And then would you help us become the kind of people who look more and more like your son Jesus in our everyday lives. Take us to that place. It's a vision that is stable and reliable. And it will get us decades down the road. All to your glory. And together we can pray under the banner and authority of Jesus.